don't forget, you're going to die. Welcome back to the We Croak Podcast, the place where we talk about the things that we don't talk about enough, starting with death, but not ending there. Our amazing guest today is Lauren Kennedy. She's the founder of the Tilly Project, where she and many other passionate photographers do magnificent end-of-life photography sessions for our beloved family pets. Hansa and Lauren went deep on how we love and care for each other as well as our pets. We hope you enjoy it. So much for joining us today. Usually I would just jump into questions, but you do a lot of pet photography for end of life for a lot of dogs and cats and stuff like that. And if people want to start looking at some of the pictures as we talk, what's the best place to go? Yeah, you can head to thetillyproject.org or on Facebook, you can look up Lauren Smith Kennedy, end of life pet photographer. Those are all of my photographs across both platforms. And thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. I actually discovered um, your work on TikTok of all places because that algorithm somehow knows everything, including that the intersection of dogs and end of life would interest me. And uh, your work is absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. I'm very thankful to be able to have, you know, these different platforms that really allow work like this and information to be shared so widely. So thank you. I appreciate that. How did you get the idea to focus on end of life and your photography practice for pets? So back in high school, I saw an end of life shoot. I think I saw it on Pinterest or something. And it was one of those things. I was like, wow, I could never do that. That is so sad. Beautiful photos, but I could never do that. And then it was just, you know, kind of a passing thought. And I had a very tragic uh, death. My cat died. She actually got her uh, her a little bit of a, a trigger warning if you do those, just some uh, trauma. Um, she got her head stuck in my bed frame and broke her neck right in front of me, like just inches from me. Um, and that was I'm probably so the most, sorry. Yeah, it was the most traumatic thing I have ever gone through, the saddest thing. I was completely affected by it to this day. Her name was Tilly, hence the Tilly Project. And it was one of those things that it just changed me forever. And it changed the way that I viewed grief and my relationship with grief and my journey with grief. So, you know, I had someone um, reach out to me. I'm kind of known for being an animal person. So I get a lot of um, interesting questions. I work in a wildlife rehabilitation center. I've worked a lot with different like rescues and everything. So I'm just known for being, you know, an, an animal person. So I had someone reach out to me one day and, uh, you know, asking their friend was going to be putting down their dog and they didn't know where to get an urn. Um, so that was one of the questions that I was asked, you know, um, I, I, I get questions like that, you know, frequently. So I just, I said, you know, of course, I'm so sorry. And let me look into that. And also just let them know if they want any photos, I'd be happy to do that. I've been doing photography since probably junior year of high school. So since like 2010 or so. So it's just one of those things where this question came up and just, I just kind of offered it, you know, I just said, Hey, if they want any photos after experiencing this loss with my, you know, cat, I, I really recognized how important photos were and how important it was to truly capture that relationship and those moments. Because looking back, 
I never had that. You know, I, I have photos, of course, I'm a photographer, but I never really had those photos that I think truly captured how much I loved her. So yeah, that's kind of um, how things came about. And that's how things got started. It was just that, that one message. I did the photo shoot. I got permission from the family to just share it. And then it, it just evolved. I got so many messages. I had someone reach out to me that they were going to the beach the next day, a very close friend of mine with his dog who he had had for the dog's entire life. And they were going to the, the beach for the last time um, before the, you know, the dog got put down. Um, and it was just, you know, it was one thing right after another. And it just evolved into something I can't even fully wrap my mind around. Yeah, her videos about her pet portraits, besides being beautiful, they just have like millions of views, some of them, I think. <laughs> and why, why do you think it does strike such a chord? Or what, what have you learned doing these sessions with, um, you know, pets that are on their way out? Yeah, you know, I get quite a few comments on my videos saying, this isn't even my dog, or this isn't even my cat or horse or rat, you know, whatever animal I'm photographing. This isn't even my dog and, I, and I'm crying. I don't know why. And I think it really sticks with people because if you've had an animal and you've lost an animal, you know grief. You know that animals are one of the purest forms of love and loyalty and companionship and they are good. They are so good. And if there are any behavioral issues or anything that is not considered good, it's usually the product of humans, right? Animals are just... They are so good. So when you lose an animal, it is a different type of grief. It is so just, just so sad because they're so pure. So I think when folks look at these videos, even if it's not their pet, they can almost relate to this type of grief and this type of loss. And I, I think it just, I think it just sits with people and they can really like resonate with those feelings. What do you try to capture when you walk into a session? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I'm there, I'm trying to capture their love, like their love. So I will use prompts like just interact with your dog. Just go ahead and just give them some love. And when I do that, I try and have it be these open prompts so that they can do, because she, like if I were with my cat, for instance, and someone said, go ahead and just show your cat some love. Percy, who's actually sitting here beside me while <laughs> we're recording this. To me, I would say, okay, I'm going to give Percy some, some belly rubs. I'm going to scratch his chin. He loves that. But let's say that you had a dog and I said to you, you know, just just give your dog some love. That could be rolling around on the ground. That could be maybe he loves being pet, but like behind the ear. It just it could mean a million different things. So by asking these questions that are very open ended, it allows folks to be able to hear that and interpret the way that they want photos. So it's kind of I try and be open. I want to be able to capture their love as authentically in, in the most genuine way as possible. Yeah, I do have a dog, by the way. So. Oh, you do? I <laughs> his name is Zeno. He's four oh. years old, so not ready for his end of life uh, session yet. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, I love that. 
one of the things we run into when we talk about death a lot is just how much denial there is about around death, at least for people, where um, you know you meet people literally in ninety years old in hospice, wondering like, really, is this happening to me? How could how could it be so soon? Or you know, not making end of life plans well into old age or sickness. Um, do you think? most people are just have a much more realistic view of, you know, the death of um, a pet, a family member that, you know, isn't, isn't a person. I think so. I think that's a really great question. Maybe it's because, you know, their lifespans are so much shorter. So with that shorter lifespan, I don't know that, you know, that's such a good question. And it's something um, because there isn't, I feel like I, I haven't been met with a lot of denial or yeah. even if it is denial, it's people commenting like, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here, my six month old puppy is beside me and she's never going to die. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I think we, we all know it's going to happen. It does feel like a different thing, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm not met with that. I feel like as you're saying, you know, we all just kind of accept it. They live so much shorter lives. Although I did, I did just um, do a, a session with a horse who was 38 years old. Oh my um, goodness. So know even older than I am so um that was very interesting to photograph you know an animal whose lifespan is a lot longer than you know a dog or a cat I was just thinking about it like this this genre which is so popular right now in which you've you've created a community of over 700 photographers around the world at the Tilly project Uh, Mm -hmm. I found one right in Philly where I live uh, if I wanted to (laughs) to book such a type of session, but like, it's a very popular genre now, both online and a lot of people doing it. And it's hard to imagine something like that for, for people. And I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I've, I've looked into that. So I'm also a photographer with now I lay me down to sleep. I'm not sure if, have you heard of that organization before? No, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first, right off the bat, I completely agree with you. Um, I did find out about Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, and they're an incredible nonprofit organization. They, if a a family is, um, they have a baby who is either born sleeping or, um, you know, there's different terminology. I don't want to mess it up. I want to be as respectful as, as possible. But if they have a baby who passes away shortly after giving birth, they have, it's kind of a similar concept where, they have photographers who will go in and capture these moments that they have with their babies before the baby passes or if the baby has already passed, you know, just moments together with their baby. So I've done one session. And again, it's one of those things that's across the U.S. It's an entire network of, of photographers. Um, so I've, I've seen that. And that's a, that's a big organization. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it. I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to give, you know, their whole thing is you're giving the gift of remembrance. And I think that is just wonderful. So I'm part of that. But you know, I was, I was looking into this too, because I would love to be able to continue this work one day, not just with dogs or cats, but with people too. But I think, you know, sometimes like within our society, and the way that we view death and and all of that, I just haven't found that that's a thing, you know? Um, It's very much not right now. Right. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, so frequently I see on Facebook and everything, if someone has a grandmother or grandfather who is in 
hospital and maybe they're coming to the end of their life, you always see kind of that classic shot of their hands, you know, holding hands. I feel like I see that very frequently in hospitals. One of those last photos is capturing that, that moment. And I wonder if this were to expand into the human connection, how helpful that would be to families, you know? Because it's, it's been done before. I, I've looked into it and there have been some incredible photographic explorations of death and dying. And I think that some of those portraits are just, are so beautiful, but I guess we're just, we're not there quite yet, but who knows what will happen. One of the reasons I wanted to ask you about it is you, you did one kind of like it with um, a friend and it was a, a proposal photo shoot, but also uh, related to news that he didn't have long to live. Yes. Yep. Yep. So that was, um, that was the first time I had done that. Um, and I mean, you know, I think the family is very thankful to be able to have those photos, but it does touch on the subject that he is terminally ill as well. Um, so in the future, you know, of course, I'm, I'm never hoping for anyone to be in this position, but at some point in my life, I think it it would be an honor to be able to capture a human, you know, a human at the end stages of their lives, if they would be interested in that, because I've seen the way that, I, you know, social media has allowed me to almost make this like a trend. Um, and in doing so, look how many families it's helped, you know, this one kind of viral video, the the impacts of, of videos going viral is just incredible. And um, in, in these situations, it can be so helpful for so many folks. Yeah, I almost feel like, you know, being able to sort of in a very gracious way, honor your pet and love them, but be realistic about death is a good practice for doing it with yourself or with your family. Absolutely. Especially that, you know, that anticipatory grief, because when they are getting in their, their old age and they start getting that gray muzzle and slowing down and everything, you start grieving even before you even think about putting them down. We did an episode, just a couple episodes back with a reporter who wrote about the right to die movement, basically people who are like in so much pain and they're they're old or sure. terribly sick and they, they, they don't want to live anymore. Kind of like death uh, with dignity, is that a yeah, yeah, yeah. A quote that is in that book that has stuck with me that apparently she got more than once was people saying that they want to die like a dog mm. as in like recognition that you know they've reached a point you know that uh they uh life is not worth living anymore and to be put down humanely and i'm wondering mm. if you had any thoughts about that being on the side of working with a lot of people who are facing that moment with you know a loved one that's a pet sure sure you know that's a really good question i have worked in healthcare a bit. I'm not a nurse by any means, but I was a CNA. So I worked with on the oncology unit and I worked in a memory care facility with folks who were kind of at the end stages with, you know, Alzheimer's dementia. And I've had, you know, folks close to me who are, you know, terminally ill or have known of, of folks who get to that stage where they're in the same position. And I don't know, I guess, too much of it to be able to speak, I guess, eloquently on that subject matter. But what I will say is I think it is wonderful. And I think having that option is, is really great. Why do you think, I guess, I don't, I'm not 
asking you to solve a nearly unsolvable problems that <laughs> experts struggle with, but more like, why do you think people are attracted to the way we let go of dogs in our family? Like, why, why does that feel so special to so many people who are struggling? I think it's because, oh man, that's such a good question. Sorry, I'm just, I just want to think for a second on this. I think with dogs and with cats and everything, you know, you really think about their quality of care. And it's not an easy decision to get to that place. You think, you know, you talk to the veterinarian, you talk with the medical team, and it's like, at what point is the quality of life impacted? And at what point do they have quality of life? And I think when you come to the decision to stop that life because there is no quality of life, you almost go through this ritual prior to putting the animal down. And it almost feels like in putting them down, you are taking away their misery. Like you as a human are giving them the gift of being comfortable or releasing them from that pain and suffering. So I'd say, again, that's a very, that's a very deep question. I appreciate you asking it. I'd say that that's probably why it is almost attractive to humans that concept of being able to end suffering and kind of give the gift of that final comfort in a sense. And that's a really good answer. Wow. Really? I, uh, oh, yeah. Um, I've, I've goosebumps actually. Um, a lot of um, people who just talk about end of life and sort of what people are craving these days, you know, talk about the sort of medicalization of death and how it can feel like people are whisked away behind you know, backstage, if you will, into hospitals and to places that feel, um, you know, clean, clinical, certainly, but very far from the sense of the major rituals and moments of life, like births, weddings, graduations, all have these, like, they're, they're gatestone life moments of mm-hmm. change, and they have their rituals. Um and of course, we have a funeral, but that's post, post-death, where our, our rituals for someone, you know, headed toward death. Well, we have too much denial to sort of even admit that that moment is happening to market, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But now that I've heard you, I feel like that, that explains the attraction to me, which very much puzzled me before. Absolutely. People want a ritual. Like, yeah. And, you know, with, with animals, it's almost, and I, I don't know why this is. But maybe it's because of the the expectation, you know, like the people that kind of like, you know, and everything, or I guess just looking at me, when you have like a dog or something, you're almost, or a cat. I mean, it's, I feel personally, like it's not too frequently that I hear of an animal passing away naturally, you know, it's almost like you almost anticipate a majority of the time going to the vet like that's an expectation whereas with humans i feel like i mean that's you know that's not really the case so um i'd say looking at the the parallel between animal deaths and human deaths it's very fascinating it's very it's it's very fascinating you know you kind of wish that people would more readily have that accessible for them in their final moments and there were more rituals that involved the person who maybe is passing you know so how do you not uh, cry when you're doing one of these photo sessions with you know, one of these old dogs that already has an appointment at the vet? 
Sure. I feel like that is probably my number one most question, uh, most asked question. I think really, I mean, it kind of comes down to two things. The first thing being for me personally, if I were to get to that point where I feel these big emotions and I were to get, you know, cry and, and show emotions, I feel like it would just be very distracting for me. And I am there to capture the very best photos during a time that you can't really have a do-over, right? It's the end stages of their lives. For some of these animals, they're getting put down the same day. So, oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't I realize that. Yep. So um, when I'm there, I, I'm very professional and I want to make sure all of my focus is on capturing these moments. I allow myself enough emotion to be able to connect and to think about what I'm capturing, but I don't let it get to the point where I'm overcome with my emotions because I need to be able to do my job because I'm so focused on doing the best for the family and honoring the very life in front of me. I think that is so important. And another thing that I don't, you know, I don't talk about it too frequently is ever since my cat's passing, I have a tremendously weird relationship with grief. It just impacted me in such a way that now it's really hard for me to kind of produce emotions, to be completely honest. Um, so it kind of takes a lot for me to get to the point where I'm like, overwhelmed with emotions and crying and everything there are points during these shoots where of course I feel like a little choked up you know I'm not completely um incapable of producing any sort of emotions of course I just it's one of those things where I almost feel like I um I can really uh almost like disassociate is kind of how I feel I mean I, I do struggle with that like with my mental health and everything so during these these moments it it works in my favor that I'm able to just do what I'm there for. I, I truly, I use it to my advantage. Yeah. Hello, everyone. We just wanted to take a quick break to thank you so much for listening and to thank the members of the We Croak Patreon. Your steadfast support and belief continues to inspire and drive the work that we do. Thank you so much. And now... Back to the episode. Tell me a little bit about Tilly and how this project you named in honor of your pet, how it honors your pet, like fills a, a need in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. So Tilly was, uh, she was definitely my soulmate. She still is my soulmate. She was like one of the greatest cats you'll ever meet. She was so sweet. It was like we knew each other so well. She was truly just like the best thing ever. I loved her so much. And she passed away and every year on her, you know, anniversary, it's only been five, five years. Um, but every year on her passing, I was trying to do something to honor her life, you know, and that felt really great. I, I've heard recently that, um, one of the final stages of grief that isn't often talked about is kind of like doing something with your grief and, and using it to honor or, you know, where I heard it, put it way more eloquently than what I'm saying now, but that final stage of just kind of doing something with your grief. 
So, you know, I started doing fundraisers and this and that for animals and everything. Then I got to this point where I was putting my work out there and I was getting kind of two types of comments. I was either getting people who were saying, I will fly you to California. And mind you, I live in Maine. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in Maine. I'm, you know, uh, and I was getting people who were saying, I'll fly you across the States. I'll fly you here. I'll fly you there. I will fly you out of the country to come and photograph my dog or my cat, my rat, you know, literally whatever animal. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't do that. I have two jobs and everything. It just, and this was in the height of COVID when I just, and I am a terribly anxious uh, traveler. So that was not in the cards for me to travel. And the other type of comment I was getting was from photographers saying, I feel so inspired by this video. I'm going to start offering this. So I had these, like these two different comments that were frequently happening, you know? So I started with this little, this little note card and writing down photographers names and where they were. And then it just grew and it grew to the point where I was like, okay, I have this entire list. I got to kind of, you know, do something with this. Now we're up to over 700 photographers, but when it came time to give it a name, it only felt natural to be able to honor the life of the pet who taught me the purest love I think I'll ever know. Um, and I think it's really, really special in giving the Tilly Project this name because, you know, we have, I think, maybe over 3,000 or 4,000 uh, members within our Facebook group, and we have 700 photographers across the world. The Tilly Project hashtag has been viewed, I don't know how many times, probably millions of times. So that is my cat, who I love more than anything. Her name has been brought up that many times. And I think that is one of the most powerful and like magnificent things ever to just be able to say their name. There's this really amazing quote. I can't remember who it's by. I have it on the Tilly Project. But it just, it talks about um, about death and just say my name as if I were in the next room. You know, I can't remember exactly. That's me completely butchering it. But almost just like, you know, death, it does, it never ends that relationship. And I thought it was just that quote was so beautiful. My dad sent it to me directly after her passing. And it impacted me so much that I was like, what a wonderful way to remember, you know, my little soulmate was to be able to say her name so frequently on a daily basis. And to name this project that honors and memorializes and captures the same love that I felt for her, you know, and put her name on it. So that's how it came about. I love that. Um, and I connect with that too. I didn't actually know about that last stage of grief, but probably that is where we croak came from as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's wonderful to be able to, you know, do something with it. I think when, and you know, I'm sure you talk about this very frequently, but it's not, you know, the stages of grief, you can vacillate between them and you can bounce all around. It has no timeline and everything like that. But I think at the stages of your life, when you are able to do something with it, it's very empowering and it feels really great to be able to honor whoever passed in a way, like to just to do something with that grief. I think it's, it's really special. Yeah. You know, one of the uh, things the experts in the end of life community have told me in my years of doing this show over and over again 
is, you know, that death for people can be so beautiful when we're honest about it, mm. that those are the moments that, you know, they make it into hospice or palliative care so that they're really comfortable and, sure. you know, often like heroic treatments that are trying to save someone who's really dying can be quite painful and uncomfortable and full of like loud beeping noises. Yeah. But if they're on that track where death is okay and they're just managing pain, it can be quiet and, you know, family can gather around, they can um, have that beautiful hand-holding moment, they can bring in a singer or people do like nice things. And they're not thinking about, you know, the will's been settled a long time ago, all the affairs are in order because someone was honest, they're not worried about stuff, they're not worried about, um, you know, loose ends. And that, you know, the people who manage to do that, it can be one of the most beautiful moments of, you know, that whole family's life. But that, that's like 5% of people who do that right now. Right, right. Absolutely. And what I was thinking about as I was looking over your photographs is it seems like much more accessible with our pets so we can give them a gorgeous sort of sending off. And yeah, it was just very inspiring in a way. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I was doing one of these shoots and it's kind of similar to what you're saying. Um, somebody else who's doing, you know, a story on, on my work and we were just kind of reflecting on the, this this type of work. And, you know, he had mentioned that these photo shoots are like, it's the epitome of the friendship and the love. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of putting it because that's so true, you know? At these sessions, it's almost like there's already acceptance, right? If someone's reaching out to me, they have accepted that, this is the final stages of their life. And so we're celebrating that entirely. Or not, I don't want to say celebrating because it's not celebrating for everyone, but we are capturing that love. Um, and I just thought the way that, you know, he had said it's that epitome, it's coming to that final, that final peak. And, you know, that's really reflected in these photos. So I, I really do hope at some point, in the near future, although I don't think that'll happen, that there are more rituals and some of these concepts are shared with humans as well, because I think we deserve that. But I think maybe the the lack of rituals is maybe in part of our own denial or our own acceptance of our inevitable, you know, passing or something. I don't know. It's a very interesting question. Yeah, I spoke to a, a death singer early on. Uh, sure. Someone who, you know, just a couple of times, a singer who was paid a couple of times to go to someone's, you know, their, you know, sing death, deathbed side, as it were. Yeah. And I really always liked that one. Like, oh, I want that. <laughs> I don't know when it will happen, but there's a lot of cool things you could do if you really thought about it. And, Absolutely. you know. You know what I've always found to be very interesting? I've heard about this and I, I would be honored to capture this as well. It's not necessarily the animal passing, but maybe a human passing with their animal. I've heard so many stories of different nursing homes and everything that have a cat that lived there. And when the person is passing, you'll hear about the cat going into the room and just staying there until the person passes. I feel like I've heard of that, I think, of five times of, you know, different news stories or folks who I've heard. So I think there, um, even that connection with animals and death is another one that I would love to eventually explore and to capture, because I think that that, you know, that in itself, I mean, being in your final moments and being able to have, you know, a cat or a dog with you, I think that that's, that's what I would want. You know, that's all I would want. Yeah. There's definitely something to that. It sounds 
kind of funny, but you know, even when me or my husband are sick, our our dog was like always must be right, right next to us the whole time, Absolutely. and kind of a um, a way that's special and different than his usual behavior. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you think about it, there are so many like service dogs that can tell when someone who's like, you know, diabetic needs they all of that. And I know that there's a science to it. And regardless if it's explained to me a million times, it absolutely blows my mind how intuitive and how animals can do that. I think there's just something it's just it's beautiful. It's so beautiful that I don't know, it blows my mind and I will never understand it, but they never cease to amaze me. Yeah, the, the science is there. They have senses. We can only really imagine what it's like. And then right. but the part that I think really blows our minds is that they care. Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. So I'd be, um, you know, kind of speaking about that, I would be very curious, and I haven't looked into this, to know maybe how they know that someone is, is passing. But I'm sorry, I guess I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent. Just something I guess I'm thinking about. <laughs> No, not at all. Do you know, you know, talking to families that you've done a photography session for, how having these kinds of images, these reminders of life and death, help them, you know, as they deal with their grief? Absolutely. So, you know, the feedback that I've heard is not only does it help with that anticipatory grief, the days leading up and everything, I think it it can help ease into that, you know, to the final moments and everything. It it again, just kind of helps that acceptance as to what is coming. Then, of course, after, you know, when they are going through the most troubling times or those moments of, of intense grief, they have something tangible to look back and something that captures those vulnerable moments. And I think, you know, I've done photography, like I said, for quite some time. And I got so sick of capturing regular portraiture and weddings. I've grown to hate weddings Uh, (laughs) and all of that because it feels, it feels so, and there's nothing wrong with it. Again, this is just me as a photographer and experiencing this. It just all felt so fake, you know, the smiles and everything. And it's like during these moments, they, everything feels so genuine and all of the emotions are so genuine. And there's just something, I, I don't know how to put it into words, but I think that some of these moments are the most vulnerable emotions that are shown. And I think there's just something really unique and special about these type of shoots. I mean, you're you're just being so extremely vulnerable. I've um, I photographed a few births before, and I've I've felt that same sense of vulnerability. Again, it's still different, of course, but there's something about the witnessing of a life being brought into this world, and the witness, you know, witnessing an animal who is soon to also be departing this world. I think it's just incredible those two moments. Yeah. Do you ever go back and look at like portrait work or not portrait work, but, you know, street photography from like the 1930s? Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I, anyway. I absolutely, I've always loved street photography. It's beautiful stuff. But what always blows my mind is it's kind of before all these rituals of like what you do in front of the camera. Sure. Yeah. That camera smile, like, oh, it's a camera here. Or, like, you know, there'll be these 
you know, people photographing, you know, what the conditions were like during the Great Depression and like all these kids running by and they, they're just being genuine. And Absolutely. it was this special beginning moment because since then it's just like the camera changes, you know, anything it sees, at least with people. Absolutely. So that somehow this moment, this kind of, this ritual that you've created around marking a pet's life is sort of a special moment where there isn't a way you're supposed to look. You know, I have been doing photography, you know, like I, I said, since junior year, but it was senior year of high school when my photography, I was, you know, I was taking like a basic digital photography. My teacher was out. And so we had a sub and it was every student's dream to see the, the sub rolling in a uh, TV because it's like, oh, nice, you know, for the next hour, we just watch something and I talk to my friends. That's great. But she ended up putting on James Noctway, uh, who's war photographer. And it was in that very class and watching James, because, you know, like I said, he's a portrait photographer. He captures wars and everything. It was in that very moment where I was like, whoa, this is I don't necessarily want to do this, but the way he was able to capture people and be a fly on the wall and capture these moments was, I think, one of the most impactful moments of my life. You know, what I thought was just going to be just any other day, you know, senior in high school. That was one of the most impactful moments of my entire life, being able to see this photographer who just is there and captures things like how it is. So I was, I was very thankful for that. Um, and his, his work, although, you know, we're not doing the same type of work has played a tremendous role in my life. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It all, it all kind of connects in funny ways, you know, how to, how to be authentic, how to be real. And then, you know, how to be real about death. It kind of, it kind of all is of a piece. Um, so I know you shared it at the beginning of this podcast, but for people who didn't immediately go and look at the pictures, what are all the places that they can find them again? Yeah. Um, so you can, the Tilly Project, which is again, the End of Life Pet Photography Network, you can find on um, a, a website, thetillyproject.org, and it, Tilly is spelled T-I-L-L-Y.org. And then on Facebook, we have a page, The Tilly Project. And we have a Facebook group for, you know, it's a private group where all of our members come together. And that's the Tilly Project End of Life Pet Photography Network. And then you can find me personally, all my work, just by searching Lauren Smith Kennedy. I pretty easily come up on Instagram and TikTok. And on Facebook, it's Lauren Smith Kennedy End of Life Pet Photographer. Yeah, I've been on your TikTok and your Instagram and absolutely you know, both formats. I almost recommend TikTok more just because you have these beautiful music and the yeah. you know, flowing sort of real and it's just really uh, fun and um, you do a really good job with it. Well, um, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I hope everyone listening enjoyed the conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lauren Kennedy, for joining us. And if you haven't already, please check out the Tilly Project. You will be impressed. We hope you're having a wonderful start to your 2023, and we'll see you all next time.